0: Good morning everybody. Um, I've ha- I've forgotten to look in the Pew Bible to see what number the verse is. But today's Phase two, 209. Okay. Oh, okay. Thank you. Today's reading is from Samuel 25 verses 2 to 30 13. 13. I've got it marked. A certain man in Maon who had property there at Carmel was very we- wealthy. He had a thousand goats and three thousand sheep, which he was shearing in Carmel. His name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman, but her husband was surly and mean in his dealings. He was a Calabite. While David was in the wilderness, he heard that Nabal was shearing sheep. So he sent ten young men and said to them, Go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name. Say to him, Long life to you, good health to you and your household, and good health to all that is yours. Now I hear that it is shearing time. When your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them, and the whole time they were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. Ask your own servants and they will tell you, therefore be favorable toward my men since we come at a festive time please give your servants and your son david whatever you can find for them when david's men arrived they gave nabal this message in david's name then they waited nabal answered david's servants who is this david who is this son of jesse many servants are breaking away from their masters these days why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered for my shearers and give it to men coming from who knows where? David, David's men turned around and went back. When they arrived, they reported every word. David said to his men, Each of you strap on your sword. So they did, and David strapped on his as well about 400 men went up with David, while 200 stayed with the supplies.
1: Through the writings of 1 Samuel. And uh, when we last left David, we, we were, had a glimpse as to why David was known as a man after God's own heart. He had been given opportunity to take revenge on uh, King Saul. He was placed in a position where he could, could have killed Saul if he had desired to do that. But instead of murdering his enemy, And claiming the kingdom for himself, David exercised grace and wisdom. And he allowed Saul to live. And David even reached out to his enemy with great love and forgiveness and compassion. And our passage today, though, finds David in a totally different set of circumstances and an entirely different state of mind as well. This text today shows us what happens when anger takes control of our lives. Now, who has a problem with anger? Who doesn't have a problem with anger? Who tells lies? Yeah, OK. <laughs> the fact is, we all get angry from time to time. We really do. But the problem is that we don't always control our anger as we should. And often, often what happens is that anger controls us. And that's when all sorts of problems arise. There's all sorts of devastation. Someone said, anger is like fire. It finally dies out, but only after leaving a path of destruction. That's so true. When I thought about all the situations in my life where I've lost the plot. Well, you know, there's been one or two dozen or more. Anyway. But that's the danger of anger. And that's why the Bible's got so much to say to the believer about controlling our tempers. Listen to just a few verses that touch on this issue. Ephesians 4:26, talking about anger says, Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Today's anger needs to stay with today. And be careful, the devil could get a foothold. Psalm 37 verse 8 says, Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. Isn't that true? Anger leads to evil. Proverbs 14, 29. A patient man has great understanding, but a quick-tempered man displays folly. If you're quick-tempered, you're foolish. That's what the Bible saying. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 9 says, Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Well, same thing. And Jesus, in Matthew 5 says, I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, which means empty head, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Just simple words. We could be in trouble. So today I want to look at this episode in the life of David. And, and I want each of us to examine our own hearts. Because anger is a problem. It really is. It causes all sorts of issues. So let's, let's have a look at analyzing an angry man this morning. There are, there are three main points that I want to look at this morning. The first one is that David's anger is considered. So let's look at that. What is the reason for David's anger? Well, David's on the run from Saul. We know that. We've been exploring that the last few weeks. He and his men are uh, hiding in the wilderness. And whilst they're there, they're, they're doing two things. First of all, they're fighting skirmishes with the wild tribes in that area. So that's what they're doing. They're fighting little battles here and there. And secondly, they're also serving as a protective force for the shepherds in that area. Well, actually, they're running a sort of a protection racket, but we won't call it that. What's happening here is, is that you know, they're, they're preventing the enemy from, from taking sheep and, and harming the shepherds of the, the Hebrew people. And David, his men, they probably took on this, this sideline as a means of providing food and provisions as they live in the wilderness. Because it's customary in those days, if someone protects you from a bad situation, that you give them a gift. You pay them back it in some kind of way. You'd be rewarded for providing that protection. So when David hears that it's shearing time, he sends some of his men to remind this guy called Nabal that they had provided protection for Nabal and his, and his, and his, uh, and his herds of sheep and for the shepherds. And as a result, none of the sheep have been lost, not a single one. So David sends his men re- at shearing time because the shepherds at that time would have sold their wool. And so that would be the time, of course, when you get some profit. And so when you've got a little profit in your pocket, well, it's about time that you paid back the guy who's been protecting you. That's fairly simple. So David sends his, his men to, to Nabal with kind and courteous words. Let's have a look at them. I hope you've got your Bibles still open at, uh, at 1 Samuel, chapter 25. Have a look at um, verse 6. David tells his men to go to, to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in, my, in his name. He says, say to him, long life to you, good health to you and your household, and good health to all that is yours. Isn't that a nice way to greet somebody? I think that, that's very positive. You know, these guys are uh, wild mercenaries from the bush, but they're saying nice things, so that's okay. And he reminds Nabal then of, it, of the effective service that they provided. Look at verse 7. Now, I hear that it is sheep shearing time, and when your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them, and the whole time they were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. So he's not making any demands. He's simply asking Nabal to do the right thing. In verse 8 he says, Ask your servants, and they will tell you. Therefore, be favourable toward my young men. Since we come at a festive time, please, be, please give your servants and your son David whatever you can find for them. So he's not actually making any specific demands. He says, look, would you just share a bit of what you got with us? We're kind of hungry out here in the scrub. But instead of responding in gratitude, Nabal, Nabal answers David's men with really harsh words. And he says some rude things. Now, when David's men arrived, verse 9, they gave Nabal this message in David's name. The Nab- they waited. Nabal answered. David's servants. Who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Well, they obviously knew exactly who David was because he knew he was the son of Jesse. Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days, so saying, oh, you're just a rebel. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I've slaughtered for my shearers and give it to men coming from who knows where? So he's pretending he's saying, look, I don't know where, the Dickens, you come from, eh? Or who you are. You're not getting a thing from me, that's for sure. Bit rude, isn't he? Have you ever had someone be rude to you like that? In your face and just said horrible things to you? They mistreated you, they misunderstood you, they've misspoken your name, they've hurt your feelings? I'm sure you have. What was your first response? (laughs) Well, that used to be mine. When that kind of thing happens, uh, the flesh gets all stirred up, doesn't it? We get angry, we say things, we do things we regret. Some anonymous writer put it this way, says anger manages everything badly. That's exactly right. There's a fascinating story told, told about Alexander the Great. Now, he, he, he conquered the, the known world of his time, but he had problems with his temper and on one occasion Cletus, who was his childhood friend and one of his greatest generals, Cletus got on the grog a bit and said something rude to Alexander the Great. Alexander wanted to frighten him, threw a spear at him. Well, kind of like Saul did at David. But Alexander's aim was straight. And he killed his friend. And he was completely seized with remorse after this. And he examined his life and, and his uncontrollable anger. And, and it, it just preyed on him for a long, long time. So, see, when we don't control our anger, our anger controls us. And we do things that are stupid. Well, let's have a look at the reaction of of David's anger. Let's have a look at verses 12 and 13. Because with David's men, they they return to him, they tell him about Nabal's response. Verses 12 to 13, David's men turned around and went back. When they arrived, they reported every word. David said to his men, put on your swords. So they put on their swords, and David put on his. About 400 men went up with David, while 200 stayed with the supplies. So this is a big force now. They're all armed and they're all dangerous and David's pretty darn cranky. So basically David is blowing his stack and he gets his together his men. He's going to exact revenge on this neighbor who's just been so jolly rude to him. Anger makes you do some stupid things because you might be thinking that David's justified in all of this, but it's not, not so good. You ever done anything stupid when you're angry? You know what I mean? I have. You now you, you say things, you can't unsay them. And it's really hard to do anything about that. Aristotle put it this way, he says, It's easy to fly into a passion, anybody can do that, but to be angry with the right person, to the right extent, and at the right time, and with the right object, in the right way, that is not easy, and it's not everyone who can do that. That's true, I reckon. Aristotle had the right idea about anger. And there's a wonderful Chinese proverb, He who flies off handle always makes bad landing. like, like, yeah, that sums it up too, doesn't it? That's what anger is like. Now, Nabal's response to David, of course, shouldn't have surprised David because look at how the the Bible describes Nabal in in verse 3 of our reading. It says her husband, Abigail's husband, was was a Calabite, a surly man and mean in his dealings. Surly and mean. Neighbor was a bloke that was hard to get on with. He had a bad attitude and he would have done the dirty on lots of people around about him because he's wealthy as well. Well, I expect he would have done some pretty tough business deals. Verse 2 tells us that he was a rich man, so he's loaded. He's silly, he's mean, he's selfish. His name means Fool. And he's a Calebite. Caleb means dog. He's a foolish dog of a man. Can Can you see the picture now? There's always the interesting word plays often in scripture. When you look at the meaning of names, it's fascinating. So David encounters a man who's a fool, who lives up to his name, and David responds by going off in a blind rage to get even with him. And here's what we need to get into our hearts today. We cannot always control what the other person says or does, but we can control our own response to what they say or do. That's what we need to understand. So let's have a look at the results of David's anger. It's verses 21 to 22. The results of his anger. Because as a result of David's anger, David temporarily, I think, is insane for a moment. He really is. Because it takes a force of 400 men to get even with one guy. I think that's overkill, don't you? Let's face it, I mean, David just, he kills giants and stuff like that for entertainment. So why is he worried about a man like, there's a fool of a man who's just a dog? You know, that's the picture you've got to get in your mind. That's insanity. Because David has just refrained from from killing Saul because he saw Saul as the Lord's anointed. But now, David sees Nabal, who's this ant of a man, and David's just going to stomp him into submission. Nabal's a nobody. David's going to be king one day. So what right did this nobody have, of course, to rise up against King David? David's gonna make him pay for this. And he's blinded by his rage. And that's exactly what anger does. It takes control of the mind. It turns a sane man or a sane woman into a raving lunatic for a moment. How many many crimes are committed in anger? A crime of passion that happens. You say you do things you wouldn't ordinarily say. Anger makes you act like a fool. Anger makes you do things you're going to repent of lately. Are relating to all of this? Listen to some quotes concerning anger and the effect it has on the mind. A man in a passion rides a horse that runs away with him. Yeah. Have you ever been on a horse that took off under you? I've done that. That That's a scary experience. Anger is momentary madness. Anger blows out the lamp of the mind. And you're just not seeing. You're not seeing things clearly anymore. A proud man has no God, the envious man has no neighbor, the angry man has not himself. These are all sayings that we can, we can relate to. So I hope that, you know, I pray that God will help us look into our own lives today, and, and admit that you know, anger can be a problem, we need to deal with it. However, thankfully, there was a solution for David, and it's the same solution that we can have as well. So this is my second point today, is really, is David's anger confronted? Let's have a look at, at, we're going to read part of the reading which wasn't read for us this morning. We'll look a bit further. Open your Bible again to 1 Samuel 25 verse 14. This is Abigail's appraisals of the situation. So Abigail is Nabal's wife. One of the servants told Nabal's wife, Abigail, David sent messengers from the desert to give our master his greetings, but he hurled insults at them. Yet these men were very good to us. They did not mistreat us. And the whole time we were out in the fields near them, nothing was missing. Night and day, they were a wall around us. All the time, we were herding our sheep near them. Now think it over and see what you can do, because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. Abigail lost no time. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five seas of roasted grain, a hundred cakes of raisins and two hundred cakes of pressed figs and loaded them on donkeys. Then she told the servants, go on ahead, I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. And so she came riding on a donkey into the mountain ravine there where David and his men descending towards her and she met them. Interesting, Nabal was a fool, but he was married to a woman called Abigail. That means my father is joy. That's what Abigail means. And she was a woman who was beautiful physically. And she's a woman who's very wise spiritually. She was lovely of heart, just like she was lovely in her appearance. And when she hears that this foolish husband of hers, what he's done, she takes the necessary steps to make matters right. She gets together the food and the things that David and his men needed. And she goes out to meet David in the hope that she can change his mind. Interestingly, look at verse 19. She told the servants, go on ahead, I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband, Nabal. Interesting. She's not consulting this fool. She's going to take some action instead. Now, I believe that Abigail was not working against her husband at all. She's actually working for him. Now, I can imagine a carnal, fleshly woman would have said, oh, finally I'll get rid of this nasty bloke. David will do him in. Terrific. But Abigail wasn't doing that. She went to work behind the scenes. She was trying her best to protect her husband. In fact, she literally saved his life. Now, why didn't Abigail tell Nabal what what she was doing? Well, for the same reasons that the servants... She said, no one listens to him. He won't listen to anyone. He's totally unapproachable. He's totally stubborn. When he's made up his mind, he's not going to listen to any kind of reason. Being stubborn is just as, as dangerous as being an angry man. Let me say this once, and I'm going to move on. Gentlemen, it's sometimes really worthwhile. Actually, very often, most of the time, you should listen to your wife. I can say that from experience. Really. I mean, this is God's helpmeet for us, right? She's the one who completes us. And she'll have a completely different perspective on matters than you will. It's worthwhile listening. I'm going to leave it there. You you work it out from there. Let's have a look at Abigail's appeal in, in the situation. Verses 23 to 31. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, My Lord, let the blame be on me alone. Please let your servant speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. May my Lord pay no attention to that wicked man, Nabal. He is just like his name. His name is full and folly goes with him. But as for me, your servant, I did not see the men my master sent. Now, since the Lord has kept you, my master, from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, as sure as the Lord lives and as you live, may your enemies and all who intend to harm my master be like Nabal. And let this gift, which your servant has brought, to my master, be given to the men who follow you. Please forgive your servant's offense, for the Lord will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my master, because he fights, because he fights the Lord's battles. Let no wrongdoing be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my master will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies, he will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. When the Lord has done for my master every good thing he promised concerning him and appointed him leader over Israel, my master will not have have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or having avenged himself. And when the Lord has brought my master success, remember your servant." This is an amazingly wonderful speech that she makes to David. And she's so convincing in her arguments because she she meets David. She humbles herself by falling at his feet. She refers to to herself as David's servant six times. She calls him my Lord 14 times. She comes into his presence humble and open and honest. She admits that David and his men have suffered and been done wrong by this fool of a husband that she's got. She admits that her husband is wicked. She asks for forgiveness. She pleads with David to accept her gift and to spare Nabal and the rest of that male household. She tells David that God sent her to stop him from murdering a man in anger. She tells David that if he kills Nabal in anger, it's going to hang over his head like a a legacy of a dark cloud for the rest of his life. If he does what his anger is telling him to do, he's going to regret it forever. So she's now appealing to the spiritual side of David. As I read those verses and, and meditate upon that, she reminds me of the way the Holy Spirit works in our hearts. Because when the flesh gets all stirred up, the Spirit of God is going to remind us, you need to act, act sensibly and you need to act slowly. The will remind us of James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. So there we see in the Old Testament and the New Testament the same thing being taught. We need to be paying attention to the Spirit of God as He speaks to us, as He guides us in so many ways. And here Abigail is speaking into David's life words from the Spirit of God. So what does Abigail achieve in this situation? Have a look at verse 32. David said to Abigail, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to me, has sent you today to meet me. Fascinating. See, Abigail's wisdom overcomes the anger in David's heart. He backs away from his plans. And disaster is averted because David is willing to listen to this beautiful, wise woman. We need to be like that with the Holy Spirit as well. The Holy Spirit is also beautiful. The Holy Spirit is also wise. The Holy Spirit wants to lead us in paths of righteousness. If we listen to the Spirit of God instead of to our flesh, it would save us an awful lot of heartache. So David's anger is is now conquered by this. And in the closing verses of this chapter, it shows us how and why David was able to overcome his anger. I think we could all use these lessons in our lives. Let's have a look at this, these verses a little bit more closely. Verses 32 to 35. David is now conquered by the openness of his own heart. David says to Abigail, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has kept me from harming you, If you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. Then David accepted from her hand what she had brought him and said, Go home in peace. I've heard your words and granted your request. So David's now backing down because he sees God working in the situation to send Abigail to prevent him from committing a terrible sin. David accepts the things that Abigail brought, Allows her to return home with the promise that all is well. What would have been so wrong if, if David had taken matters into his own hand and given old Nabal what he deserved? At least a good beating, if nothing else. Well, what's wrong with, with that is the fact that it's God, not David, who's the one who's authorised to right all wrongs. Any time we take matters into our own hands and seek to get even with someone who's wronged us, we sin against the Lord. But as usual, God's got a much better way. Let's flip to the New Testament for a second. Romans chapter 12, verses 17 to 21. Listen to these words. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends. But leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this you will heap coals, burning coals on his head. Do not overcome be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see how powerful doing good to bad people is. You heap burning coals on their head by doing wonderful things for them. You bless them. That's what your job is. God will deal with the rest. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So David conquered his anger anger because he was open to the Lord and willing to do things God way. And that plan is going to work for every one of us. If we're open to God and say, listen, I'm going to do things your way, Things will work out for us. Let's have a look at verses 36 to 42. Because David's anger now is conquered by the operation of his heart. Verses 36 to 42. When Abigail went to Nabal, he was in the house holding a banquet like that of a king. He was in high spirits and very drunk. So she told him nothing until daybreak. Then in the morning, when Nabal was sober, His wife told him all these things, and his heart failed him, and he became like a stone. About ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Praise be to the Lord, who has upheld my cause against Nabal, for treating me with contempt. He has kept his servant from doing wrong, and has brought Nabal's wrongdoing down on his own head. Then David sent word to Abigail, asking her to become his wife. His servants went to Carmel and said to Abigail, David has sent us to you to take you to become his wife. She bowed down with her face to the ground and said, Here is your maidservant, ready to serve you and wash the feet of my master's servants. Abigail quickly got on a donkey and attended by her five maids, went with David's messengers and became his wife. Fascinating ending. Abigail returns home. She finds her husband has been on the grog. He's completely drunk. And she knows that if she tells him anything in this state, who knows what he's going to do. He's a fool, right? He's obviously not going to react well. So she waits until morning. hope he's had lots of glasses of water. His head will be pounding. And she tells him what he's done, what she's done. And when she does this, Nabal experiences, I don't know what actually happened to him. becomes like a stone. Maybe he had a stroke. Seems like that might be that kind of symptoms. Something like that happens. Anyway, he, he's, he's, he's either overcome with anger at Abigail for what she's done and hops a vessel doing that, or maybe he's so terrified now David's really going to come and get me because he's, you know, he understands what kind of a person I am and how wonderful, beautiful my wife is and all this. I'm really in big trouble. I don't know. Whatever. But whatever happens, in 10 days he's dead. Now, because David is willing to allow the Lord to take care of his problems for him, he enjoys an incredible victory over Nabal. And instead of taking revenge and getting his hands red with blood of an enemy, David's hands are clean. And in the end, David marries Abigail. So I presume he comes to possess all of of Nabal's wealth as well. How good is that? He scored the farm. And David got it all simply because he refused to allow anger to rule his life. See, David is proving now by his actions in this encounter why he's called a man after God's own heart. David responds properly to the voice of the Lord in his anger and his anger was kept in check. That should be a lesson for each one of us. No matter how strongly we think we have the right to get revenge against those who have hurt us, it's never right to violate the word of God by allowing anger to rule our lives. So what are we going to do with this message this morning? Well, I think we need to bring our anger to the Lord. Ask Him to help us act like Him towards those who offend us. Some of us might need to come to the Lord right now for help. I'm going to come to the Lord right now for help because I don't know what I'm going to be like by the end of today. I've got to go home and deal with the family. We're preparing for a wedding. I'll tell you what, that blood pressure up here stuff. the best thing any of us can do is get to God and ask him to turn down the heat in our lives before we have a meltdown because let's face it, we're all cut from the same cloth aren't we? We're all human we all have problems with anger from time to time, so the best thing we can ever do is to to yield our feelings our right and our anger and yield it all to God say all right, you deal with it you avenge you deal with the problem you've simply asked me to be a blessing So if God's used this message in some way for you today, I pray that you'll come with me. I'm going to pray in a moment. Come before God. Hand your life to Him. Hand the situations, the simmering that's on the inside, even the stuff that you've got quietly somewhere in your belly you've been angry for a long time. Hand it to God and be free. Let's pray.